and welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses right here as we continue our march toward week zero as of recording 11 days until week zero. Uh, Lucas, we can taste it, man. I'm Ryan Bapalukas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Uh, this is our last full week without college football until December, essentially. Mm-hmm. I am getting antsy. You and I have both been placing some bets. It feels like the most wonderful time of the year, my friend. We are so close. Yeah, I was refreshing my, my betting logs today, going over my, uh, sadly, my losses from last year, looking at where I struggled <laughs> and where I didn't. But, uh, but no, it's good. Even today here in Nashville, it was the high was below 80 for the first time, I think, since maybe April. So it had a little bit of a crisp. It was like 78 degrees, a little bit of a crisp in the air. Felt like football weather, even though tomorrow the high is 90 again. But uh, for this one day, and you know, it's getting to the time of the year where I have on my YouTube feed, it's just bringing up like highlights of games from last year um, or compilations for college football. I mean, it's pretty much everything I can think about at this moment. I uh, I stumbled upon a video in my recommended feed of like, it was like an LSU like radio station. It was like why you shouldn't be sleeping on Jane Daniels, and I was like, "We're back, baby. <laughs> we're here." I was doing all my SC, doing all my SEC prep last week, and it was like I just kind of stayed in that feed. <laughs> it was like, all right, let's watch and see how Jane Daniels is doing. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get to the LSU quarterback competition here in a in a few here as we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll run down the uh, the run of show here. Conference previews are done. If you didn't catch all of them, we have our five Power Five conference previews, do over-unders for every team, in-depth analysis on every conference. So feel free to go back and listen to that uh, before the season starts. Uh, tonight, we're going to do a little news and notes here to start. AP poll uh, came out earlier in the week. Lucas and I will give our thoughts on that, as well as go through some of the injuries and uh, quarterback battles that are kind of um, in the national spotlight here as we're about two weeks away from the start of college football. And then we'll uh, we'll also discuss the Big Ten media rights, which went down a couple weeks ago. Uh, reportedly, a lot of money coming to that conference and its institutions. And then we'll uh, we'll round out the pod by giving you our uh, our locks, our our picks, our college football bets. We have over under team totals. Um, we have I have some conference championship picks that I made as well. Lucas just went down a rabbit hole into Group of Five and. Lucas is going to give us some like FCS, you know, Eastern Illinois over unders and, and, uh, you know, big sky conference champions. So I'm excited, man. Um, so, all right, let's, uh, let's jump into the, the AP poll released earlier, uh, earlier this week. I'll run through it here quickly. Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia are your top three. Clemson checks in at number four, Notre Dame, Texas, A&M, Utah, Michigan, Oklahoma, Baylor round out the top 10, uh, 11 through 15, Oregon, Oklahoma State, NC State, USC, Michigan State, Miami, Pitt, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kentucky round out the top 20, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU round out your top 25, uh, 26 through 30, Tennessee, Texas, Iowa, Penn State, LSU. Lucas, uh, what jumps out to you? about our first AP poll of the season. Yeah, a bit surprised. I think I texted you this. Um, not saying that they should be ranked, but I was surprised Texas wasn't in it just because it seems like they're getting just as much hype. 
you know, they were five and seven last year, so understandably so. But then USC, after a four and eight season, yes, bringing in Lincoln Riley, brought in a lot of high profile transfers, ranked 14th um, in the rankings to the hype train, already really, really there. But I was not really shocked about the top. Um, I guess I do think Notre Dame might be ranked just a little bit high just because they do lose a lot from. A very good team last year. They're also under a first-year head coach uh, in Marcus Freeman, um, especially being you know over you know teams like I think like A and M in Utah, um, who I think will be better this year. But otherwise, um, I think pretty much agree with just about um, all the other things. Um, also, to you know Wake Forest, I think opening up in the top twenty-five, um, especially after the news of uh, Sam Hartman. Um, I was still a little bit surprised to see them ranked um, as well. I was too. Um, and I wonder if the Sam Hartman news doesn't, if it doesn't happen, where is Wake? Is it a top 20? Is it top 15? I mean, this is a 11 win team that returns, I think 20, you know, some odd starters from last year. <laughs> um, I agree with you on Notre Dame. I'll also mention it. it kind of feels like A&M's a little high, but I, I kind of wonder like after the top four of Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, Clemson, you know, that five through 11 or 12 is it's, it's up for grabs. I mean, I yeah. think it, you see a lot of teams there that you don't kind of see, right? I mean, Utah at seven, Baylor at 10, Michigan at eight, Oklahoma state, 12, NC state, 13. Um, and I think that just kind of goes to show you that there is an elite class this year with Alabama, Ohio state, Georgia, and Clemson. And I would probably put the first three, in a tier of, of its own and then mm -hmm. put Clemson a little below it just because of the uncertainty at quarterback and what we're going to see from DJ. Um, but that next class of college football, I think is totally up for grabs. I mean, I, I, I think when you look at schools like Utah and Baylor who kind of had breakthrough seasons last year, Oregon has a new coach, Oklahoma state loses a lot. Could this be a breakthrough season for NC state? Could this be a breakthrough mm -hmm. season for Texas A&M is, is this a year where we see a Pac-12 school like Utah or USC make the playoffs? So I'm really intrigued because I think aside from Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, I mean, it's four through 11 or 12, I just think is really, really wide open this year. Yeah, and that's what uh, I feel like kind of irks me, you know, that we're not, at least in the time uh, time being, going to be having like a 12-team playoff. Because like you mentioned, there's really a, a top three maybe a 1B with Clemson, depending on how the quarterback situation is. But how much fun would this be going into a season where you had you know, an 8 or 12-team playoff? And you're looking at, like you mentioned, like the top 12, but you could even go down to the top 20, and it's like, okay, who's going who's gonna to fight among that pack? And I think also the same thing, too, whenever I look at these rankings, is you know that there's going to be a team in that top 10 that's not even ranked by the end of the year. And then you're also probably going to have one or two teams that – aren't currently ranked that will be in the top 10 by the end of the year. Um, so I think uh, uh, it's always fun to kind of look at it, but uh, very interesting to see how everything uh, shakes out. I think the easy call for me, because, because you are right. Like last year in uh, North Carolina started 10th, they lost to Virginia on the road opening opening. I think it was the first Thursday of the season. And then they finished uh, six and six, right? Six and seven. Mm -hmm. I think Baylor at 10 is, is probably a, a good um, comparison for that. They do lose a lot off of that big 12 championship team. 
Um, you know, Utah, I think as, as, as much as I don't want to say it could be a team that, that maybe they're a nine and three or an eight and four team and, and they finish the year in like the, you know, low twenties. Um, and I'm interested with A&M. Like I think Notre Dame and A&M are, are really interesting. Paul Feinbaum yeah. today went on ESPN and, and crucified the fact that Notre Dame is fifth in the country saying like, we do this every year. Notre Dame's overhyped every year and whatever. And I kind of wanted to say, isn't that the same thing with Texas A&M? Yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is an eight and four team where we lose Isaiah Spiller. We lose a ton of talent on the offensive and defensive line. They had a first round draft pick on the offensive line, Kenyon Green. They had a, I think a second round draft pick on the defensive line. You lose Isaiah Spiller. Uh, you have question marks at quarterback, whether it's Haynes King or Max Johnson. I saw A&M at six and I was like, that seems a little high for an eight and four team. I get that they have the, the, the recruiting class. They're going to be really, really good. Most likely I thought it was a little too high, but I also look at it and I'm like, well, who am I going to put ahead of them? I mean, maybe Michigan, maybe Utah, maybe Oklahoma, you know, but all those teams, like you mentioned that you might put ahead of them, like Michigan lost a bunch um, especially on defense from last year. Yeah, Oklahoma has a new head coach, and we know you know the, the roster turnover that they've had. Um, and also, like Baylor, uh, Baylor lost some key parts of their uh, Big Twelve championship team last year too. So, um, yeah, I do agree with you on that part because if you look at like the records um, just from the last four or five years, Notre Dame's is much better than what. A&M's is. Yeah. Um, and really over the last decade, if you go back to really when Brian Kelly took over that program. So, no, I think I agree with you. If you're going to say that much about Notre Dame, you do have to kind of do it with A&M, who's coming off, you know, a very pedestrian 8-4 and four season last year, um, where they lost to teams. I believe they lost to, uh, you know, they lost to Arkansas in Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, and barely beat Colorado um, at a neutral site. Uh, so they'd be in like 10 seven. So, um, so no, I get it. I expect them to be very good, but that's why, I mean, you can make an argument. I think we say it every year. Should they even release these rankings? Like, I think it all, I think the rank, all the rankings do is provide more bias into, uh, the committee and everything like that, but it's content. It's stuff we love to do. And, um, it's fun to look at, like we said, what it looks like at the beginning of the year versus the, the end. Yeah, I've always been a big proponent of I, I think they should release the first batch of rankings after at least week four, like week five, maybe like the first week in October, um, because these rankings are important. Like traditionally, it's very hard to start either in the back end of the rankings or unranked and make the playoff. It just is. Yeah. Now, Michigan did it last year. I believe Michigan was unranked and they made the playoff. So it can be done. But history will tell us that you have to be ranked basically in the top eight or nine. Um, and listen, a lot of that's Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson that are always ranked high. Like, I I get that. Um, but I think it, it puts in that bias of not that Georgia and Alabama, like they have more margin for error, right? Yeah. Like if Wake Forest loses a game, they're going to drop out of the rankings. If Georgia loses a game, they're going to fall to like six, you know? And like that is kind of in... And um, I don't think that's a fair thing at this point, but that's kind of what college football is. It's other people deciding who the best teams are, right? <laughs> whether, it's the, whether it's the playoff committee 
or whether it's the AP voters. Like somebody's going to tell you, hey, these are the four best teams. And everyone's like, are they really the four best teams or are they the four best teams for the college football playoff and ESPN? Like, what are we doing? So I'm not <laughs> for preseason rankings, but we also we, we fell in their trap because we've been talking about this now for 10 minutes. Yes, over 10 minutes. Gosh, it's, it. it's giving us value. It's stuff we text about, everything like that. So, no, like it is, it is. It's such an archaic way to – I just can't believe this was the way for prior to us really being born. This is how they picked the national champion every year. Even still, um, when they had a national championship game, uh, the AP still could pick their own. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> they hold they hold a significant power uh in the college football universe all right let's move on here no more chat of uh of preseason polls we will put that behind us here uh let's get to some news and notes from the world of college football uh we'll talk about some injuries that have happened in, in fall camp and then talk about some of the uh interesting quarterback battles taking place um across the country lucas mentioned it uh earlier talking about wake forest quarterback sam hartman uh, is out indefinitely with an undisclosed injury. It's a non-football injury. Obviously, we, we will wish him the best. Um, Dave Clawson said he will. He expects Sam Hartman to return. Obviously, we talked about in our ACC preview, like Sam Hartman had a really good chance to set the ACC record at passing touchdowns this mm-hmm. year. I mean, with that offense, uh, Wake had a really good chance to be really good again. Um we'll see kind of how wake can weather the storm. They get Clemson. I think the last week in September, um, we'll see kind of what wake forest looks like. Also Texas, uh, really bit by the injury bug, uh, after their first scrimmage of the fall transfer wide receiver, Isaiah Naylor and, uh, offensive lineman, uh, junior and, um, and Angelou, uh, out for the season with torn ACLs, Roshan Johnson, also there. Uh, backup running back suffered a high ankle sprain and uh, will be out uh, as well. I'm sorry, just uh, a uh, an ankle sprain, not necessarily a high ankle sprain. And then Clemson defensive end Xavier Thomas is out four to six weeks with a foot injury. Uh, Clemson has a ton of five stars to put on along their defensive <laughs> line, but um, Clemson should be fine. They they they're, the meat of their schedule comes in November, um, but that's also one to note as well. Lucas, what? Um, what stood out to you from kind of the injuries and kind of the early fall camp stuff? Yeah, obviously the Sam Hartman one is is a big one. And it, it was kind of shocking because it was a non-football related injury. So must have happened off the field. Apparently he had already gotten a procedure done. I think the bright side for Wake fans, is I believe they said he is not expected to miss the whole season. They just don't know when he is going to come back. Um, and like you mentioned, they get Clemson at the end of September, but their first three games – um, they should be able to get through with them against uh, VMI uh, in week one at Vanderbilt in Liberty. Um, but then they have Clemson and then at Florida State, um, which is going to be a huge stretch for them. Uh, so if they're able to get him back before then, they might be okay. Um, but for me, it might be hard because that, that offense is very unique. And the fact that you have you know a three-year starter um, that's been highly successful in it. Now your other quarterbacks have been in your system for a little bit too. So maybe they're able to pull it off, but you need him to win games like that against Clemson and then uh, down in Tallahassee. So a uh, huge news for him. And then on the, on the Texas front, really bumped about Isaiah Naylor uh, being, uh, being hurt, really productive wide receiver at Wyoming last year. 
expected to be a nice complimentary to Xavier Worthy. Um, so, um, and brutal too, just because they have uh, a pretty tough schedule. And I know we were relatively high on, on Texas there, but um, yeah, we'll see. I know they, they're pretty deep at that position, so I don't think it'll hurt them in the long run. I think it would be, would have been a bigger deal if they were to miss, you know, somebody on their defensive front, which really struggled last season. Yeah. Uh, you know, Junior Angelou was likely going to be a starter at one of the guard spots for Texas. They'll likely replace him with a freshman, um, which your second game of the season is Alabama. Yeah. So that's going to be really, really challenging. Yeah. Um, with the Sam Hartman stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, he's a, he's a guy who is um, really important to what they do there. You know, like you said, that is a, precision kind of tempo based uh, scheme with what they run with that kind of delayed RPO. And he runs it really well. And I think they are set up to have a lot of success though. Um, when you look at the receivers they have with JT Perry, Donovan green comes back. Um, and I think they'll be able, this happened early enough in camp that um, I believe Mitch Griffs is the starting quarterback now. Um, he will have a lot of time to work with the first team offense and they do get VMI week one, they get Vanderbilt week two. I think those should be wins. Although, you know, if I think if you're a team on wake for schedule, if you're a Florida state, a Vanderbilt, a Louisville, um, depending on when Sam Hartman comes back, like that opens the door for you a little bit mm-hmm. right now, all of a sudden that Vanderbilt game goes from being a, you know, a 21 point spread to like a 15 point spread. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think the ceiling for Wake, I think we both took their under eight and a half wins in the ACC preview. And, you know, I think the ceiling went from a nine or potentially 10 win team to like a seven or six win team, yeah. um, which is fine. Um, but, uh, you know, when you lose a quarterback of that caliber um, and you don't have a return date, that's really problematic. Um, so we'll see how they do it. But. They have a lot of experience. They have a, a good coaching staff that's been there together. They know their scheme. That their, their scheme, they know their system. I do have faith that this could be a seven or eight win team, but I do think this kind of opens the door a little bit for some of the middle class of that ACC Atlantic Division. Yeah, um, I guess maybe the one positive spin I would have on it is last time Hartman did miss significant time was back in 2019, and we found out that Jamie uh, Newman is actually pretty damn good. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. If they if they get that lucky this time around, maybe it can salvage, like you mentioned, that ceiling of maybe nine to ten wins. But otherwise, yeah, in agreement with you, it's a golden opportunity for that middle class. Uh, that yeah. program has, I mean, you look at John Wolford, who I believe is still with the LA Rams as their backup. Mm-hmm. He was a really good collegiate quarterback. Jamie Newman, like you said, and Sam Hartman. I mean, that is a. Um, like three pretty solid college quarterbacks that they have have put together. So I do have some faith. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about some of the quarterback uh, battles um, in the, uh, in the world of college football. How about Texas Hudson card versus Quinn Ewers. And that is a job that has not been secured yet by Quinn Ewers. I'm, I'm reading from horns, 24, com here. This is what Steve Sarkeesian said about the quarterbacks and their separation. He said, quote, I would say it's tight. I would say both guys are working hard. They both have they both have great attitudes. I think they're both operating and doing it at a high level. And I think both of them recognize, man, there's room for me to improve. From a it would be hilarious perspective, Hudson Card beating out the most hyped Texas quarterback commit in 
decades would be kind of hilarious. Um, I do also think that coaches now more so than ever are being careful about when do they announce the starting quarterback because the backup is going to most likely enter the transfer portal. Right. And you, we have already seen this a handful of times um, across the country where a player doesn't win the starting job and they enter the transfer portal Mm -hmm. and that seemingly is okay until the starting quarterback gets injured and you have to have a backup come in and he's a walk-on or he's a true freshman, right? Like that's an issue. So I do wonder if this is a, Hey, let's try to, you know, kind of keep Hudson card on the back burner, but let's keep him engaged, keep him giving some reps with the ones. Um, If Quinn Ewers doesn't win this job, like it's not, not like it's a failure or anything, but it, it would be very interesting considering the narratives that happened at Texas earlier in the preseason and in the spring. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you because we've seen, I mean, it's a big reason why, why Georgia had to resort with Stenson Bennett uh, playing as their starting quarterback last year. He was a walk-on, but all their backups had transferred because they thought JT Daniels had gotten the job um, or they all transferred when Jake Fromm had started for three years. Um, even Clemson, I remember when, when Trevor Lawrence was there, I think their backup uh, they also had backup issues in retaining. So I do get it. Um, I think it is kind of in that ploy. I think we all expect Quinn Ewers to be the starter at some point this season, um, especially because Hudson Card was your starter going into last year and you pulled him uh, for Casey Thompson. So, or maybe this is, I don't know, maybe this is a ploy to keep uh, Archie, Arch Manning engaged too so that he doesn't get yeah. Because we, we've talked about that, where if, if Ewers is given the job, does that change Arch Manning's positioning if he's wanting to play next year? Um, so it, it is really uh, you know interesting with Texas. Like you said, I think it's just kind of mind games. I'm sure we probably, to me, Sarkeesian's probably going to do like a saving thing, probably won't even name a starter until uh, they come out uh, week one. Um, and we see who's actually playing, and they're probably both get reps, and we'll probably still be talking about this uh, against Alabama, in my opinion. Yeah, they open the season against UL Monroe. I think we can probably expect both quarterbacks to play <laughs> in some in some capacity. They, they 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 might even split the snaps down the middle. That will be interesting. Um, yeah. Elsewhere, um, speaking of of kind of quarterbacks uh, leaving, if they were not named the starting quarterback, Miles Brennan, um, LSU's uh, sixth year quarterback. Um, won a national championship with Joe Burrow kind of as the backup. And he was in a three-horse battle with Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer to be LSU's quarterback. Uh, he has retired from football um, after Brian Kelly told him he will not be the, the, uh, the starting quarterback. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer and Jane Daniels continue to battle it out at LSU. Uh, elsewhere in the SEC West, Jackson Dart versus Luke Altmeyer. Uh, you also have Haynes King versus Max Johnson. Kind of looks like Haynes King might actually win that job over the LSU transfer, Max Johnson. And then TJ Finley versus Zach Calzada. So, you know, we, we did the SEC West preview last week, and, and you have a lot of question marks at quarterback uh, in this league. Yeah. Um, you know, that being said, I don't know if besides maybe uh, the A&M one with, between Haynes King and Max Johnson, I don't know if my opinion of those teams differ because we knew going in that they were going to be having quarterback battles. So I don't know if my opinions change. A little bit surprised with, with Old Miss. Um, you know, it, I think a lot of people penciled in Jackson Dart 
um, to be the guy when, when Lane Kiffin got him. Um, but when we were doing our research, everyone spoke very highly of Luke Allmeyer. So um, not terribly surprised there. Um, you know, Auburn, you know, TJ Finley played for them last season, uh, uh, especially once Bo Nix got hurt. Um, so wouldn't be surprised he already knows the system. Um, but I guess with, uh, with A&M, you know, Haynes King brings a little bit different of an aspect. He's a little bit more of a mobile quarterback. So I'm sure that would happen. Once again, he's been in the system now for a couple of years, uh, knows what Jimbo wants, where there's still that learning curve uh, for Max Johnson. But I'm not sure if any of those QB changes, whoever they start, I don't know if it changes really my opinion or our opinions of how those teams will do this year. Yeah. um, I think a lot of those teams are also built with strong enough supporting casts, right? A&Ms are probably a little young and, and might have the most question marks, but LSU, we talked about how good their skill guys are, especially at the wide receiver position. Auburn has one of the best backfields in the country. We know that whoever takes the snap, they're going to be running tank, tank Bigsby quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ole Miss, like, I think you kind of just trust Lane Kiffin that if somebody's taking a snap, they're probably going to be pretty good, right? right? Like, like, <laughs> They're going to score 40 points a game, no matter if it's you, me, or Jackson Dart, you know, playing quarterback, right? So I do think it is a good point that it is interesting to look at these quarterback battles. But at the end of the day, it might not necessarily matter in terms of, you know, wins and losses, Mm -hmm. which will be interesting. Um, Any other news and notes uh, that you want to go over before we uh, chat about the uh, the Big Ten media deal, which is going to make everybody a lot of money? (laughs) Um, no, I didn't think I, I don't think I had any, I think we pretty much, uh, covered all of them, but yeah, the, that was probably the one I was going to bring up was just the big 10 immediate media rights deal, not yet finalized. Um, but looking like this was news. I know that broke kind of last week that I think that the biggest part besides the money, which it looks like they're going to eclipse about $1.2 billion a year. Uh, which will then be split up between the, the 14 and then seeing the 16 teams in the league. Um, but I think the biggest news was was finding out who their partners were going to be. It looks like that, um, you know, Fox is still going to be uh, have the majority share of the games like they do now, um, but bringing in CBS and uh, NBC. So the, the CBS football theme that we kind of reside with, with SEC football. <laughs> exactly. Go on. And you're going to see that, and it's going to be like Minnesota, Wisconsin uh, on afterwards at, at 2.30 uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. But also NBC taking over, and it sounds like that they're going to have um, a 7.30 Big Ten game every week. And then the, the, and then the other bigger news is – you know, who got left out. And for the first time in 40 years, ESPN is not, it looks like it's not going to air any, not just college football, but any college basketball games for the big 10, which um, is a huge shift. Um, Yeah. in college football, I mean, what some people say there's going to be, there's potential risk and maybe getting away from ESPN. But do you think with how big the big 10 is that that's really going to be a risk for them, at least exposure wise, I think the exposure could be in the non-football sports that you would be worried yeah. about. Like, I, do, I, I think if you look at the Big Ten, you, you're going to have your, your A1 game on Fox at noon Eastern. Mm-hmm. You're going to have your secondary game, most likely 330 on, on CBS. 
and you're gonna i mean those that's those are three huge networks three major broadcast networks that over you know hundreds of millions of people have access to in the country now we'll see if inevitably this leads to more streaming right whether there's Mm -hmm. more games on peacock paramount plus um if fox develops a streaming service at some point um but so i i think football like you're fine basketball might be a different story right there's so much basketball stuff on espn every basically every weeknight from you know thanksgiving to early march you can put on a you know espn on a on a weeknight and you're gonna have college basketball you're probably gonna have like an acc or a big 10 game at seven o'clock eastern and then you're gonna have a pac 12 or a, a big 12 game on the second part of the doubleheader so i am interested to see what this means for big 10 basketball because you still have a lot of big brands indiana wisconsin michigan michigan state like the it's you know ucla now right mm-hmm. so you, you you certainly have and i I, you know, I do wonder, right? Are you going to see Big Ten games on CBS Sports Network? Because NBC right now doesn't have a sports network, right? Like you don't. You'll see a lot of games on maybe on USA, I guess, because that's where. Yeah, I mean, is it USA or is it or is it is it Peacock? Right? I mean, CBS Sports Network doesn't do a ton of like major sports. They do a lot of kind of the uh, the bull ridings, the motocrosses, stuff like that. Um, Does this? Are we going to get like Indiana, Illinois at seven o'clock Eastern on 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 you know peacock right or on or on fs1 so <laughs> i think for, i think for football like you're gonna be fine i think you're in a great spot i mean like you said you're making what over 1.5 billion dollars a year i mean it's yeah. just a huge it's just a huge number cbs and nbc are paying i think a combined 700 million for their package and they get one game a week yeah. essentially like that's mm-hmm. it's absolutely insane um and I know that like the big question now is what happens next? Mm -hmm. There were question marks of, is this good for the PAC 12 right now that ESPN is going to be looking for another conference to fill, not just football, but like you said, basketball, you know, softball, baseball, not that those are on the same level. Um, What about Notre Dame? I, you know, it makes a lot of sense for Notre Dame to join the big 10, right? They're partners with NBC geographically it's a fit academically it's a fit um and i don't think that trying to partner with nbc was not intentional to try to get notre dame which is at this point the biggest fish left in the pond like notre dame and what the fighting irish do do they remain independent do they remain with their own tv deal what does that mean right um and i think that is kind of the next domino to fall and we'll see where the dust settles Mm mm-hmm yeah, no, I think that's a good point, especially with uh, with NBC, because I think it I think it can go two ways with that. I think one, it does strengthen the relationship that the Big Ten has with NBC, and maybe the way they they present it. Um, you know, especially because if if the Big Ten has a night game that night, that means that Notre Dame is not getting a night game with NBC. Um, or you could look at this from the other side at Notre Dame. They're like going to the to the bargaining table, like, Hey, you just paid 300 plus million dollars to have one big 10 game a week. Okay. I'm sure Notre Dame could probably argue that they're worth maybe not as much, but you know, whatever each share for a big 10 school is like Notre Dame is going to argue that they're that and more for one game a week. 
So I think it could potentially strengthen Notre Dame's uh, positioning as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think, like you mentioned, I think this was great news for the Pac-12 and the Big the Big 12. The fact that um, the Big Ten's leaving ESPN potentially. So like you mentioned, I think that was 27. Uh, they carried 27 Big Ten game, football games last year. So now that's 27 spots of content that they have to fill over the next few years. Right now, they're negotiating right now with the Pac-12, uh, with the, the remaining 10 teams to see you know what kind of deal that they can get. But I think I think it was a lifeline provided by them, uh, and um, hopefully they're able to get something with them because I think both of us are in agreement we would like the Power Five to stay the Power Five for as long as possible. Um, but you know I, you know like I said I think it's a big news for both of those schools. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned with Notre Dame, I think you could look at it both ways. It could be something that the Big Ten's trying to lure them more, or I, at least in my opinion, I think it might actually strengthen Notre Dame's uh, bargaining now that they have even more than it was before. I think it certainly does. Um, and I think, you know, what you have kind of seen forming is a SEC is with ESPN and the Big Ten's with Fox mm-hmm. and everyone else kind of has to pick a side or figure out what, um, where they're going to be. And I think the, one of the biggest things now is what happens with the playoff TV package. I mean, is, is this an ESPN only thing? You know, it, I don't think it should be. You have big enough power brokers at the table. We haven't even mentioned Amazon or Apple or, mm-hmm. or DAZN or any, you know, Hulu or any other streaming service that would be interested, right? You, you had kind of sensed maybe Apple or Amazon especially would be interested in the big 10 package. Um, that hasn't been reported yet. If that is, there could be a streaming component. I kind of doubt it um, at this point. Um, but you know, the ESPN has such a stranglehold over the college football playoff and the bowls mm-hmm. in and of itself, right? I mean, ESPN like the majority of bowls happen because of ESPN. It's not because they not because they draw eight thousand people in Boise, Idaho, the day before Christmas for the Idaho Bowl between like the Mac fourth place team and conference USA's runner up, you know? So like if I'm Fox, if I'm CBS, if I'm NBC, like you want a piece of that playoff, whatever that means, if it's one game, if it's two games, if it's, if it's an 18 playoff or a 12 team playoff. And I, and I think it's good for the sport. If you have more people at the table trying to, to get, because it, it will demonopolize ESPN's hold on college football programming. No, and I, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, there's a reason why all the major professional leagues here in the U.S. have multimedia partners. I mean, the NFL oh, has yeah. like three or four. The NBA um, has two to three different media partners. The MLB has now like, I feel like they have media partners with, with just about everybody. But it's because you can make more money. And that was a big reason why Kevin Warren, the commissioner for the Big Ten, voted down playoff expansion. It wasn't necessarily because he has said he's for expanding the the playoff. He just thought it was nuts that they were going to go all in with ESPN again um, on this playoff deal. Um, And, you know, Kevin Warren comes before this, he was in the NFL. He was with the Minnesota Vikings. So he wants more of an NFL model when it comes to broadcasting. I don't blame him because the benefits that you have, not just the more money, but you're going to have, and this is what the big 10 is going to have if you don't have games that right now, if you don't have games that aren't on your network, you're not promoting them at all. Like 
ESPN is not promoting games that are on Fox. They're not promoting games that are on CBS and vice versa. Where if you have a playoff, you are going to want to advertise that because if you are a media partner in there, you want to generate as much buzz for those games as much as possible. Um, And so one of the things that does excite me about the Big Ten is like, yeah, you're going to be on Fox and then they're going to be telling you, hey, turn it over to CBS after this game and catch like the, the second game of our triple header today. Um, you'll be following Ohio State, you know, Michigan State with Penn State, Iowa or something like that. And I think that would be great for college football if you had a game like an SEC game going on ESPN and they're like, here are the other big games this week. Turn over to Fox to watch you know, the Big Ten game of the week and stuff like that. So uh, I don't see a new playoff contract, at, which means we're probably not going to get expansion until 2026 at the earliest. Um but I, I, I agree with you. I think it's it's going to happen where multimedia partners are going to have to happen for a new contract to get signed. Yeah, I mean, you look at the NBA. They have a national TV schedule, right, where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, Thursday, TNT doubleheader, Saturday, NBA TV, Sunday, ABC. Like, you see that during the playoffs. You see it during the regular season. And I do think ESPN and Game Day do a good job of discussing games that are not – I mean – game day is going to go to the Alabama LSU game every year. And that game's always on CBS or, you know, whatever, but it's not the same. Like you're, you're absolutely right. And the same thing with Fox, right? Like Fox doesn't promote a ton of games on ESPN's network. So I do think it's a good point of, and, and, you know, maybe we don't have to get the games on new year's Eve day, like as on like a Friday or a Saturday, like, can the Rose bowl maybe not be played on new year's day every year? Like cross our fingers, maybe not. Like there's just so many like little logistical things in this sport that infuriate me, especially yeah. on bold and well, postseason the, and stuff. The, thing the Rose bowl is like every six to seven years. It's not played on new year's day because not, if it's on a Sunday, they don't play it on new year's day. So don't give me this crap that it, the tradition means anything. It's like, if it did, then you wouldn't move it on new year's day for anything. But you do, so you don't compete against the NFL. But anyways, that was a rant that just drives me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we got to ring it back in here. Let's let's talk about our favorite topic, which is uh, which is betting, which yeah. is <laughs> which is being we're, the degenerates that we are. We're, we're say we're segmenting from the Big Ten making a lot of money to talking about how we're going to lose a lot of money. That's oh, see for yourself, baby. I feel great. I feel great about my. Feel great about my over unders. I feel great about my conference championship picks. I'm gonna make some money, and eventually I will lose that money. Most likely betting baseball in the in the spring of 2023. So, uh, all right. So uh, Lucas and I gave over unders for every group, of, every Power Five team over the last month, uh, and now we're gonna do predictions that we actually bet. Right. So I'm under the understanding, Lucas, that you have placed a bet with all of these. Correct. Yes. All right. Same. I have bet all of these on FanDuel. I deposited money. I have eight picks. I have six over-unders. I have two conference championship uh, futures that we will go through. I think Lucas has up to 12, but he may shorten it. Like, we'll see. I have 12. We'll see how we're feeling. If uh, if I'm feeling good about it halfway through, maybe I'll go through all of them. But I've made 12 today. And all right. Well, why don't you start it off then? So we'll we'll kind of alternate here um, for now. But why don't you start it off with uh, your first pick here? Yeah, yeah. So my first one uh starting actually out in the pack 12 is i took uh wazoo over five and a half it's getting uh it's plus 125 um 
both me and you were really high on Wazoo, I think, surprisingly, um, in our Pac-12 preview. Obviously, a lot of it depends. You know, they, they kept Jake Dicker as their head coach this year. They brought in, I think, one of the most intriguing transfers in college football in Cam Ward, transferred up from uh, FCS Incarnate Word. Um, but I really like them. I thought their defense was, was solid last year. Dickert's still there, who was their defense coordinator a season ago. Um, and I just don't think – I know the – you know, the, the divisions don't really matter anymore, but they are playing everybody in the Pac-12 North. And I think after really Oregon, it's it's kind of a, a mixed bag of teams um, on that side of the division. So, um, yeah, I uh, I picked Wazoo over five and a half as my, uh, my first one. I'm right there with you, buddy. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I am. We are in lockstep. I took the over five and a half as well, plus 125. Um, all the reasons you mentioned, I'll go through their schedule real quick. Like, I think you're two and one in the non-conference. You probably lose at Wisconsin. You beat Idaho, Colorado State. I think the Pac-12 road slate is pretty manageable. You only play four games on the road in conference. Mm-hmm. And you had, you do have USC on the road, but you also have Oregon State, Stanford, and Arizona, who I like Stanford and Arizona have the two lowest win totals along with Colorado in the Pac-12. You get, I mean, you do get Oregon and Utah at home, but you also get Cal, ASU, Washington. Like, I just think four or five wins in conference is very, very doable. It's plus value. Um, yeah, that was uh, it. Was one of the later ones for me, um, mm-hmm. but I saw it. I think it was when we did our pod. It was plus one hundred five. I had it written down on my sheet, and it went to plus one twenty five. So, uh, Cameron Ward, I'm really interested to see him this year. Um, and, uh, I mean, this is a, was a bowl team last year and their head coach, like basically quit on them cause he wouldn't be vaccinated. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's not going to happen again. So I'm in agreement with you. Washington state over five and a half is a play for me as well. Awesome. Uh, all right. Next up for you. Next up for me. Uh, this one, I, uh, going over to the FCC, uh, took Mizzou plus one twenty five over, um, five and a half. Um, just on, on, on our, I'm just basically going off of what I said on our SEC pod. This was a team originally when I kind of read their team preview was just I thought I was going to go under on them, but pretty easy non-conference schedule um, from what I can remember. And no, I just yeah, think- Kansas State's really the only kind of questionable one that's yes. it's in it, it, it's in Manhattan too. But if they win that game. They're probably going to go four and zero, and then it's hard for me not to see them at least winning two games in conference. But even if they go three and one, they're on the the easier side of the of of the SEC and the SEC East. Uh, and we were mentioning, I think even without Connor Bazelak being gone, I think Eli Drinkowitz uh, is a good enough offensive mind to to get that offense going. They're going to have a pretty good wide receiver set, like by you know the number one wide receiving recruit in the country. And, there, and you mentioned on the pod, too, their defense cannot be as bad as it was last year um, under Steve Wilkes. I feel like you had a personal vendetta against Steve Wilkes just because of his one year with, with the Cardinal. But, uh, yeah. no, I don't think it can be any worse. I'm going to – and like I said, it has plus value, too, uh, at plus 125. Um, so, yeah, I feel good about Mizzou at least making a bowl game this year. Yeah, this was one that was was on my my my, my sheet. This was one of the last cuts here, because um, I agree. I think when the team when I think 
I like a lot of five and a halves because I, I, I do think teams will be motivated to get to a bowl game. And I, I just think six wins is, is plausible for a lot of teams, right? I mean, you win, you win three non-conference games, you have to win three conference games, right? And you, you play Vanderbilt and I'm not very high in Florida this year as well. And, and maybe you get one of South Carolina, Tennessee, like I, uh, and Arkansas is a very manageable cross divisional game. So I like it. I, I didn't play it, but I will, um, I'm with you, buddy. And I will stay in the SEC. And I'm taking one that you're going to you're gonna di- hear uh, disagree with here. I'm taking LSU over six and a half. Uh, I, am, I am in on the Tigers. Um, I don't care if it's Jane Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, like we talked about a little earlier, like whoever wins the job. I expect it to be Jane Daniels. Um, I look at the non-conference. I think it's very manageable. I think they go probably 4-0. Florida State. The Sunday of Labor Day weekend is kind of the only toss-up game. Other than that, it's Southern, UAB, and New Mexico. Um, the SEC East isn't easy. You get Florida on the road, Tennessee at home, but you don't get Georgia, you don't get Kentucky. Um, and I think they're, uh, I think road games against Auburn earlier in the season and Arkansas are winnable. So... I think this is a seven or seven and five, eight and four team. I mean, they, they went six and six last year um, and their coach was fired midway through the season. Um, they brought in a really solid transfer class. I think their skill group is really good. If they can figure out the offensive line, which I don't love saying that, but if, if the offensive line can, can be average, um, I think this could be an eight or nine win team in the sec. So I'm, I'm taking uh, what? Where did I get it at? I got LSU over six and a half wins at minus one thirty. Okay, I, I don't want to say it's bad pick. I, I did take them under in our SEC preview, but I mentioned to you, it would not shock me if that team won eight or nine games because they might have arguably the best defensive line in the SEC. They might, they probably have the best wide receiver group. Um, so whoever is the quarterback, they're going to have weapons to throw to. My biggest thing was just, you know, with, with Brian Kelly, is this kind of a, a culture year where you just try to establish, um, your culture, get the right guys in your program. You know, I mentioned too, like over the last couple of years, we've seen guys from LSU just announce either mid season that they're getting ready for the NFL draft or they're deciding to, to opt out and, and transfer. So Wonder if you're still going to have it, especially if they get off to a relatively slow start. But I don't think it's a bad pick. The um, the first game of the year against Florida State, I think, is going to be huge if you're betting for either one of those two teams. Because um, I think they're both at six and a half. And I think if they, if LSU wins that game, there's a very good chance they're probably going to go over in the same way for, for Florida State. All right. Next up for you. Next up for me. So I'm my first dip into the group of five. Uh, <laughs> looking at this, so all the way in the American Athletic Conference, um, I'm actually taking Houston. Over under was nine and a half. Um, I'm taking the over. Oh, uh, at, at plus one fifteen, this might be the best team in the American with Cincinnati. The amount that they're losing back, um, you know, Houston last year went twelve and two. Uh, they return uh, their quarterback, their best wide receiver, Take Dell, who was a thousand yard uh, rusher last year. They still have uh, a pretty good defense. Uh, Doug Belk, who's their defensive coordinator, is one of the leading kind of rising defensive or coordinators uh, in the country. 
Um, and the thing I love the most is their schedule. They don't have to play, I think, who are the other two top teams in the AAC. They do not need to play Cincinnati, and they do not play Central Florida, UCF, at all once. Um, so I think at worst, this team probably goes 10-2. and two. You look at their non-con. Their first two non-conference games are somewhat tough. They have to go at UTSA, won Conference USA last year. They also have to go on the road to Texas Tech, who they lost to um, uh, last season. So yep. those could be troublesome, but I think if they just split those, they go three and one. And all you're telling me is they probably have to go uh, seven and one in conference. I think it's very doable with, uh, with the schedule um, looking at it, maybe at Memphis or at SMU might be a toss up game, but otherwise it's very, very manageable. Um, so I like the Cougars. At plus 15, over nine and a half, and probably the favorites to win the American uh, I'm going to take us to the ACC, and I'm going to take the uh, over five and a half wins for the Louisville Cardinal. Mm. Um, I, I am taking it at minus 165. Um, don't love the value on it, but I have a hard time not seeing this team as a bowl team. Um, this is a team that last year lost to Wake Forest by three points, by six points to Clemson, and by one to Virginia. They were six and six in 2021. They returned Malik Cunningham, four years as a starting quarterback, almost 3,000 yards through the air last year, 19 touchdowns, over 1,000 yards on the ground. Um, he, he's just a machine. With Sam Hartman going down for an extended period of time, I think this opens the door for Louisville a bit. Um, the non-conference is a little tricky. You got to go at UCF and at Kentucky, but I think you can go three and one in the non-conference. I took the under on Kentucky when we did our SEC picks. Um, from the ACC at, uh, Coastal, you get Pittsburgh at home at Virginia. I look at their, I look at the road slate. It's Syracuse, Boston College, and Virginia, also Clemson. But I think those are three very winnable games, mm-hmm. and they get NC State, Wake. Florida State and Pitt at home. Like, that's a good home road split, right? You get Clemson on the road. You probably would have lost to them anyway at home. And you get some of your more toss-up games like Wake and NC State and Florida State at home. Mm-hmm. So uh, you return 100% of your passing yards, 85% of your rushing yards. You have four starters back on the offensive line. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on Louisville. Um, I am taking them over uh, five-and-a-half wins at minus – Minus one sixty-five. Yeah, I'm I'm completely agree with you. I was thinking about betting that um, when we initially did our ACC preview. Um, didn't really love the the value at minus one sixty-five, but I think you're almost guaranteed to get it. Like you mentioned, I love Malik Cunningham. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in college football, um, and that offense should be really fun to watch. There's no reason they can't make a bowl this year. Um, and it seems like Scott Satterfield has kind of turned around the momentum there. Uh, it didn't seem like, I feel like at the end of last year, we see the recruiting class that they're bringing in potentially for next season. Um, I just think it, there's a lot of good vibes with Louisville. Um, and if they don't make a bowl game, then maybe that's a good reason to get rid of Satterfield. But I think this is a bowl team, six and six at minimum. So I completely agree with you there. All right. Um, so I'll go with uh, one of my ACC picks. Um, so I'm going, uh, sticking on that side of the division, I am going with taking the under for Syracuse, uh, under at four and a half. 
Um, and it was uh, at minus 105 right now is where you can get it at. Um, largely, one, this offense was not great last year, even though they had an All-American running back in Sean Tucker. Had not, could not really do much through the air. They did bring in a new offensive coordinator in Robert Anai, uh, who was at Virginia, who obviously put up big numbers for Brandon Armstrong. But this team could be improved. I think they have 17 returning starters. Um, but the back end of this schedule for Syracuse is brutal. They might have one of the toughest back ends of anyone in the ACC. You look at it, they have their bye in the middle of October. After their bye, they have NC State at home, at Clemson, Notre Dame, at Pitt, Florida State, and then at Wake Forest and at BC. Um, yeah, yikes. Um, and that's and then they start off the year with Louisville at home, who we just had very high praise for. Then they they have Purdue at home, who I think will be a little bit down, but that's not a that's not an easy game. Like I just feel like with them, most of their games outside of probably UConn and Wagner are either toss-ups or I think they're going to lose. So that to me does not feel good. This could be a team that finishes with the same record last year and was probably much better. But I just don't think their offense is going to make that many strides for them to be extremely, uh, uh, extremely competitive in some of these games. And I, I just think that back end, they might have the toughest schedule arguably in the, in the ACC. And I just don't think they're built for it. Yeah, it, it was on my list. It was it was one of the ones I was basically looking for two or three more today, this afternoon, and uh, wrote down some numbers that I liked, and Syracuse was on there for all the reasons you mentioned. The offense is not good. It's a challenging schedule. Um, Dino Babers, like, on the hot seat, you know, maybe there's a coaching change there in the month of November. So uh, I would agree with you. I, I think it's a um, – I think it's a, it's a good play, and I – I think minus 105 is a pretty good number to get it at. So, yeah. Um, I will take us to the Big 12, and I'm going to take the over 8.5 for Oklahoma State at minus 110. Um, they were my preseason pick to win the Big 12, so I feel like I have to go over <laughs> over eight wins, basically. Um, I don't know if I – this isn't one of the ones I necessarily love as being a slam dunk. I do like getting Spencer Sanders back. I think the defense will be good with Derek Mason. I don't think it's a huge drop-off, but – they lose a lot off of that defense, right? 239 career starts, eight seniors um, from that defense. Um, but, yeah, I look at the non-conference. You get Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, all at home. I think that's 3-0. and And then I got to get six wins in conference. And I get, you know, Texas Tech at home and West Virginia at home and Iowa State at home. I think those could be wins. Texas, we kind of don't know. They're a bit of a wild card now with the, with the quarterback and injuries. And um, you do have five road games, but I kind of think it's a favorable road schedule. Besides Oklahoma, you get Kansas, TCU, Kansas State, and Baylor. Um, so I'm going to take the over eight and a half for Oklahoma State. Essentially, so this is my last one, um, and it's basically because I pick them to win the big 12 and if they <laughs> win the big 12 they're gonna not be eight and four so clearly i thought pretty highly of this team and i'm gonna uh i'm gonna take their over eight and a half did you um bet them to win the big 12 i did not bet them to win the big 12 they were not one of my two conference championship picks okay 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 i won't i won't bring those up and have you save those for a bit but i wasn't sure um what the odds on that one. no i think that's that's a solid pick i think 
um, especially with Oklahoma State. We've, we talk about it all the time. They're just consistently like an eight to 10 win team year yeah. in and year out under Mike Gundy. Um, I know I had them under on, on our pod, but would not shock me at all if they finished nine and three, 10 and two. It really just depends to see how uh, Spencer Sanders does, um, especially in big games where he has had the tendency to struggle. Um, well, my next pick, I'm actually going with a team that will be in the Big 12 next season. Um, and that is. Uh, the BYU Cougars. I am actually taking them, taking the over. They were uh, at their over, uh, over under was at eight and a half. I'm taking the over at eight and a half, um, which was at minus 105, largely because I just saw this. So they have 19, this team went 10 and three last year. They have 19 returning starters, um, including starting quarterback Jaron Hall, um, who was very good last year. All 11 starters on offense are back, um, which was a significant strength. Um, top receivers are back and, and pretty much most of their, or excuse me, all their starters on defense are back from this year. They have eight starters back on offense. Um, and I just like to see their schedule is you look at it. It's almost like a power, power five schedule. Um, you know, they have Baylor or at, they play at Oregon. They have Notre Dame, Arkansas, you know, Boise state. Um, but I think at worst, this team is probably, a nine-win team. I think Kalani Sataki has finally found kind of the, the right formula there after struggling there his first couple seasons. Um, they're a fun team to watch, and, and Pro is a difficult place to play. Um, so that is why I am going to go with BYU over eight and a half. Yeah, that was one when I listened to Cover 3 today. They also were pretty high. Um on BYU, so I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's interesting to take because like BYU is a technically a Group of Five team, but they play. You're right, they play a Power Five schedules and they play a really tough schedules. So um, I like that. All right, I'm gonna take one that I, I think is near and dear to both of our hearts. I texted you about this team a little earlier today. I'm taking the under seven and a half for Nebraska. Um, I need Scott Frost to show me six wins before he can show me. <laughs> eight wins. I need Scott Frost to show me seven wins before you can show me eight wins. We talked about this during doing the big 10 show. A seven and five would be a really good year for Nebraska yes. coming off a three and nine season. Mm-hmm. And I know that they were the best three and nine team in the history of college football. I get that they're going to raise the banner probably in the first week. Um, but like they lost their final six games of the season. Right. And, and, you know, Casey Thompson comes over from Texas, who will be their quarterback. Um, I have some questions about their depth on, on defense, some of their depth at, uh, you know, wide receiver. I think the draw out of the Big Ten East is manageable. They get Indiana and, and Rutgers, also Michigan. Um, they have five road games. Uh, now, one of those is in Dublin against Northwestern, which I've already said I'll be laying the points with Northwestern. Um, <laughs> I don't – listen, this team could be – eight. I, I, I just think it's a huge jump to be 8-4. and four. And and when we did our, our Big Ten West pod, like, I think Wisconsin's going to be pretty good. I think Iowa and Minnesota – I think those three teams are all better than uh, Nebraska. So am I going to have four teams in the Big Ten West win eight games or more? Probably not. Unless Illinois goes 0-12, which would be a real bummer for us, <laughs> as I'm an Illinois fan now. Um, so 
I got it at plus value. I got it at plus 100. So I'm taking the uh, under seven and a half wins for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, I, I'm just looking at their schedule right now, and it's gonna. This is how it's gonna happen. So they're gonna. They're probably gonna lose to Oklahoma, but they're gonna be coming in. They'll probably get revenge against Illinois. They'll be seven and one going into their final four games. The final four games are Minnesota at Michigan, Wisconsin at Iowa. Watch them. They start seven and one. They lose all four of those games. <laughs> they better be seven and one. You better be seven and one or six and two. They should right? be seven and one with that schedule. Um, but and and that's why I took that one too. That was one of mine as well. Was on Let's go for the same reasons. I can't trust Northwestern. I mean, they've won. I think what four games the most they've won with Scott Frost ever. I I just only have them in a bowl game. Yeah, they they have not won six games with Scott Frost. Yeah. So and you're gonna give me seven and a half. Yeah. Like, come Make on. It. And you're giving me even money, basically, for it too. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a pretty easy decision, <laughs> I think, for both of us to take that. Yeah. Well, that was one of the ones I had today, and I was going through. I basically looked at every over under on Fanduel, and I was like, "Wait, Nebraska's under is plus value." Damn, I really like that one on the pot, and I was like, "I need to do that one." So. <laughs> All right, um, go ahead with your next one. Yeah, yeah, so I'm staying in the Big Ten. Um, this was another one I, I feel pretty comfortable with. Kind of similar to like our Louisville one. Uh, the money isn't necessarily great, but I'm going with uh, Maryland over five and a half. Right now it's going for minus 125. Um, I like this Maryland team largely because I like their offense. Um, their wide receiving group might is probably the best outside of Ohio State. In the Big Ten with Rakeem, uh, Rakeem Jarrett, with Deshaun Jones, um, um, and also with uh, you know Jacob Copeland, who comes over from Florida. I think this team's going to score points. Defense might be optional for this team at times. They were not particularly great last year. But I think this is enough for at least – they should make a bowl game alone. I mean, they went to one last season with arguably uh, a defense that should only improve, I would imagine. And then you look at the non-con, it's fairly manageable. You get Buffalo at Charlotte, and then you do get SMU, but that game's at least at home, and I think you should be able to win that game in a shootout. Um, so I think if you're 3-0, and I think this team can easily win three games. I think you know at Michigan, you know at Wisconsin, at Penn State, probably you're probably going to lose, but I think even a game like Michigan State at home is winnable, Purdue at home is winnable, at Indiana – um, and then they get Rutgers to end it. So I, I, I look at this team more or less going seven and five, probably, I think is maybe the floor. Um, so that's why I feel uh, really, really good. To me, if you can score, if you have a good quarterback, you have good receivers, good weapons, you know, you should elite, even if your defense stinks, you should be making a bowl game at minimum. So that's why I'm going to be taking the over five and a half with Maryland. Yeah, this one was on my list too. Um, didn't end up pulling the trigger. Um, but I think for everything that you said is the reason I liked it. Um, you get Indiana and Rutgers on the schedule, right? Um, tough crossover game against Wisconsin. But I think six and six, like, I mean, Talia is what, the third or fourth best quarterback in the Big Ten, maybe yeah. higher than that? You know, like I, I think teams that return quarter, like that's a theme for me in terms of my overs. Spencer Sanders, Malik Cunningham, um, like – if you return your quarterback, I think it gives you – and your quarterback is, is 
a decent college quarterback, I think it gives you a, a big advantage over a lot of teams in college football that have question marks at quarterback. Yeah. And so I like that. Yeah. And they return, I think, all five starters on their offensive line from last year, too. It's either four or five, but they return a lot. So, yeah, pressure's on Maryland. Now you got to win this money. Probably not the. <laughs> Probably not something I thought I'd be saying uh, a year ago. Was Betty I just can't wait. To, I just can't wait to be sweating out every Nebraska game in November when they're seven to one. And we're, <laughs> we're having to be sitting here. Come, come on, Iowa, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, I got. I have uh, two more uh, over unders and two more of my conference championship picks. So uh, I'm taking the over two and a half wins for Vanderbilt. Um. It is, what number did I get it at? I got it at plus 110. This is a number, it's kind of like the opposite for Nebraska. I need this to hit early. Uh, They play Hawaii Week Zero. They play Elon, Wake Forest, and Northern Illinois. Ideally, this is cashed before October. Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't, Lucas, we're in trouble. Um, You get South Carolina, Florida at home, maybe you steal one of those. You go at Missouri. Uh, you're probably not beating Bama or Georgia on the road, unfortunately. But I looked at this. I, I looked at the teams with low numbers. I looked at Vanderbilt and I looked at Arizona. Yeah. And I probably would have taken Arizona's over two and a half as well, but the non-conference schedule is brutal. So I look at Vanderbilt and I think, I believe they're a seven-point favorite against Hawaii. Um, they should beat Elon. And Northern Illinois loses a ton off of that MAC championship team. So I'm hoping to get three and one before October 1st. And if we don't, it could be a long fall for me on this, but I, uh, I'm a, I'm a believer in Clark Lee and I think they can get to three or three or four wins this season for Vanderbilt. Yeah. I like that. Cause I even think if they go two and two in the non-con, cause I do think Wake is probably very much probably a loss. Um, but if they lose that game, say either at Hawaii or at Northern Illinois, I still think you're you're saying okay because I still think that you're probably looking at at Missouri, um, you know maybe South Carolina as maybe you could flip those, but yeah, I just think if you're a, it's their second year under Clark Lee. I know they're going with kind of a youth movement at some positions this year, but I like that. I still think I think their goal this year should try to be to at least win one SEC game because they haven't won one since 2019. Yeah, uh, and if they do that, I I think you have two. You should have two for sure wins uh, in the non-con. So I, I love that. I hope they do. I'm going to be watching Vandy. They're the hometown team here this year. Um, I'm even. I was even looking up tickets for the Wake Forest game actually yesterday um, to see how cheap maybe they were going for to go at least Probably. to watch Wake play. Probably pretty cheap. I mean, Wake isn't a huge alumni base, so I don't know if you'll have a ton of opposing fans. I believe it's a noon kickoff as well. It was so. like twenty three dollars. I think was like the cheapest. <laughs> so, oh baby, that is a that, was, that, that, that is a, a hot ticket. That was with fees too. So, <laughs> I'm surprised they're not like, hey, we'll pay you. Yeah, honestly, if a if they beat Hawaii. And then they beat Elon. I'm just gonna be go. I'll be going there out of solidarity with you, Ryan. I will be. Let's go. I'll be in all black, in gold, and uh, yeah. Just hey, either way, you'll be rooting for either team because Wake Forest is also exactly. black. Exactly. That's what I said. I won't be Vandy gear. I'll just wear black and gold because I'll be happy no matter what. 
Ugh. All right, take us to your uh, take us to your next one. Uh, so I'll stay in the SEC East, and I am actually taking um, Florida um, over seven, uh, and they were at minus one fifteen. I kind of mentioned this on the pod. My biggest stat that I, that I put out, I said their last two head coaches in their first year won at least 10 games. Um, and that was following a year where I believe um, they were like five five or six win teams the year before. No different this year. I mean, we forget Florida, the two years prior to them coming in, they were playing in the SEC title game um, You know, against Bama back in 2020. Um, they were a 10-win team. So I do think that um, – this team still has a lot of talent on there. I think this team last year largely quit halfway through the season uh, on Dan Mullen. So I think that factoring into it, you have a fresh start with Billy Napier. I think Anthony Richardson is going to be really good. Um, and I think they have some decent, uh, decent pieces around there for them to rebound. So I, I thought at minimum, this team probably is going to win eight wins. Um, and like I said, they play on the lesser side. They do have to play, you know, Utah early on, but they do get that game in the swamp. I think that's a hugely interesting game week one. That I don't think it's getting a ton of talk about. Um, and especially at the end of the year, you know, their, their last three games after, after a gauntlet where they have to play Georgia and then at Texas A&M, they go South Carolina at Vandy and at Florida State, a team that even with their interim head coach, they beat last year. So, um, I like I like Florida. I think it's a quick rebuild for for Billy Napier. I think he was I think he's the right guy for the job. I expect him to win um, at least seven games this season. <coughs> yeah, I I think it's all about Anthony Richardson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if Anthony Richardson is, is as good as I think people think he is, then I think this hits with relative ease. Uh, the non conference, I'm just I'm very interested to see how they do. I think that game against Utah is. You know, like like you said, so it's intriguing for both teams. I mean, Utah is a top ten team going on the road uh, to play a new coach in the SEC. Uh, the atmosphere will be great. It'll be a huge crowd. It'll be a huge chance for Utah to announce itself on a national stage. I believe it's a seven thirty Eastern kickoff on ESPN. A lot of eyeballs will be on it, um, and then you end at Florida State, which you know last year it was interesting. Like Florida fired their coach, um, and they beat Florida State. Yeah, when Florida State was playing really good football and playing for a potential bowl trip, and they beat them at home. So that game is on the road. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, like like you said, I I, I think the East behind Georgia is wide open. Yeah, I mean Tennessee, South Carolina getting hyped up. Kentucky maybe step backs this year. Um, Missouri, you like as well as I like. So um, I like that. I probably. I took the under for the pod. I think seven and five is a good round number. Like I, I think seven and five is a good minimum for Florida this year. So, all right. My last uh, over under is I'm taking the, uh, I'm taking the under four and a half for Stanford at mm-hmm. minus one twenty five. Um, it has been a uh, tumultuous couple of years for Stanford. We talked about kind of their issues in the Bay area with COVID and not being able to have kind of real off seasons and, and real strength programs. And it's, it's affected this team. This team went three and nine in 2021. They went zero and seven to finish the season. And here were their final four games. They lost 52 to seven to Utah. 
35-14 to Oregon State, 41-11 to Cal, and 45-14 to Notre Dame. And when you couple that with the fact that Stanford might have one of the hardest schedules in the country. Their non-conference, besides uh, Colgate, they go at Notre Dame and they host BYU. You have four Pac-12 home games, including USC. Here's the Pac-12 road slate, Lucas. Washington, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, Cal. Like, that's just insane, right? And I believe the bye week is uh, is early. Let me just double-check this. Stand by one second. Um, yeah, the bye week is week three. So they, they play Colgate week one. They, they host USC week two. Then they have a bye week. And then out of the bye week, at Washington, at Oregon, home Oregon State, at Notre Dame, I mean, to have to play Oregon, Utah, UCLA all on the road, it's just brutal. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely brutal. So I don't think they can get to five wins. I just I don't see five wins on the schedule. Um, their two top uh, running backs transferred. They finished 12th in the Pac-12 in rushing last year. And their defense has really taken a step back. So... I'm not very bullish on Stanford. Um, maybe it's a three or four win team. You do get, you know, Arizona State, Oregon State at home. At Cal could be winnable, but I think four and eight is is pretty likely here. Yeah, I uh, yeah completely agree. I thought about taking this one because um, this was Stanford team. They couldn't run the football last year, which is odd for Stanford team. They averaged 87 yards a game, 3.2 yards a carry. And their defense was absolutely atrocious, has been absolutely atrocious really for the last few years. And I just don't really see any time. And like you mentioned, the non-con, or they already have a tough conference schedule, but the non-con that you're facing PYU and Notre Dame as two out of your three non-conference games, um, it's just, it's not setting you up. This could be an improved team from last year. I know they return a couple big wide receivers that, um, they that got hurt early in the season last year, which led to a lot of their offensive issues. But yeah, I, I have a really hard time seeing this team make the bowl game. I'm right there with you. Um, and I will go with my next pick. So I have a few. You have a couple more. Your next ones are just conference. Correct. Right. So I think I believe I have three more over under picks. My next one is I'm actually staying in uh, in the Pac-12 and. Fairly close to both of our hearts. I am taking the under five and a half for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Um, <laughs> I almost did it myself. I almost did it, especially when it was announced that their best defensive lineman's out for the year. Out for the year. Um, yep. That's after all the losses that they had this offseason. Uh, I remember even doing that the, our, our preview show, and I was like, this the roster itself, I feel like, could be good enough to get them to a bowl game. Uh, there's no reason just rosterize on paper. I just think with all the stuff that's happened in the offseason and nothing that Ray Anderson, the AD, or Herm Edwards, the head coach, has told me since everything has made me feel any better. If in fact, it just makes me feel worse that those guys are still in charge and basically just seem to have a stranglehold over the program. I just think this could be a team early on worried about you know them maybe just kind of giving it up or just looking towards the future. Like I said, not feeling positive. So that's why I'm going with the under. And I like the value at plus 130. Um, 
So I almost took this. I I, I actually have a uh, an under six and a half at DraftKings that I bet like two months ago. I don't know what the odds are, but it was I think around even. So um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell me. I mean, it's I think it's a, a one. It's a two and one non conference. They I think they lose at Oklahoma State. Um, and I'm just, I'm not high on anything this team's doing. And I think when push comes to shove, as we get towards the end of the season, um, a group of transfers with no ties to the school and no ties to this staff, who's probably gonna be a lame duck staff anyway. Like, I don't necessarily know what the, um, incentive will be to keep this thing together. Emory Jones will be your quarterback. There are a lot of mixed reviews from Florida. Um, and they, like we said in the Pac-12 preview, they lose basically every contributor from last year. You know, Rashad White gone to the NFL. Uh, Chip Traham is a linebacker now at Ohio State. Those are your best running backs. You you lost uh, Ricky Purcell and LV Bunkley Shelton and um, Johnny Wilson of the transfer portal at wide receiver. You lost your tight end, Curtis Hodges. I mean, I could go on, right? You lose Jack Jones and Chase Lucas in the secondary. And, you know, uh, Darius Butler at linebacker, like there's just, it's a lot of guys that are gone. And, uh, Michael Mattis, who is their best, uh, defensive end their their best defensive lineman is out for the year, uh, with a torn ACL. So that hurts as well. And not good. I, um, I, I almost took this as well. I love the number at plus plus one thirty. It was on my card. Almost did it. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just eerie now because I picked it that I feel like the worst case scenario now is watch because of all this stuff, they make a bowl game. And at the end of the year, you're don't get, you dare put that out to the ether. Don't you dare. When they do qualify after they beat U of a, you're going to get just a massive tweet from Matthew Barry of ESPN. Just saying like, despite all the obstacles and all the naysayers, Herm Edwards, once again, proving that he is the right man. <laughs> to lead the Sun Devils, like I'm just waiting for him Golly. to be so vindicated. <laughs> God, please no. <laughs> All right, um, so I'm done with my over unders. I have two conference championship picks, and uh, I uh, I started with uh, I have UCLA at plus a thousand to win the Pac-12. Um, I picked UCLA to be in the conference championship game. I did pick Utah to win the conference, but. You look at the odds, it really opened up once you got to UCLA at plus 1,000. And this was an 8-4 and four team in 2021. Um, they averaged over 36 points a game, over 200 rushing yards. You know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's back. Zach Charbonnet's back. They added Duke's best wide receiver, Jake Bobo. Um, their non-conference schedule is easy. You have four. You have four. <laughs> it's putting it lightly, their non-conference schedule. They play Bowling Green, Alabama State, and South Alabama. <laughs> Lucas, here's your Pac-12 road slate, by the way. Uh, Colorado, Arizona State, and Cal. Yeah. And Oregon. But, I mean, you could go 3-1 and one realistically on the road. They have eight home games as well. Um, they don't play. You know, you do get Oregon and Washington from the north. Um, but, like, you also get Cal and Stanford. So you kind of miss like the middle class of the North. You miss Oregon state and Washington state and um, teams like that. So I, um, again, this is, it's a plus a thousand future bet. I still think Utah is the best team in the league, but when I look at UCLA, I'm like, man, like this could be a team that easily wins nine or 10 games. And I think 
if you win nine or 10 games in the Pac-12, you have a good chance to win the conference or get to the conference championship game. And then it's it's one game. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's great. I think they're kind of the team everyone's talking about. USC and Utah, I think people – a lot of people are sleeping on UCLA, in my opinion. Maybe that's because I know they lost quite a bit on defense. Um, but they still have, uh, you know, Darian Thompson-Robinson. He was arguably the best quarterback in the Pac-12 last year. They still have Zach Charbonnet. Like you mentioned, they got Jake Bobo from Duke. I think this offense is going to be able to score some points. And their defense, they can be, be good enough, like you mentioned. Very road – and they get Oregon, their toughest road game, coming off of a bye. I mean, Oregon's also coming off of a bye, but it makes it likely. So I, I think by plus 1,000, I think that's really, really good value. Once again, this might be a, a team late in the in the year, November. You might be watching them more than you're watching ASU. Yes. Well, and especially now with the new Pac-12 structure to where it's not just yeah. – because I, I kind of think that if you look at the four best teams in the conference, it's Utah, Oregon, UCLA, USC in some order. And the fact that you don't have to now um, win your division to get there, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to win the South to get to the conference championship game. I think opens things up quite a bit. So I agree. I agree. Um, let me see here. Which ones do I have left? I got three more. So I'm staying out West, um, but not, not in the Pac-12, actually in the Mountain West. Um, I am going to be taking Boise State. Um, over nine, so pretty high win total, over nine um, at minus 105. So Boise State last year, they went seven and five. It was arguably their worst year, and I can't remember the last time they went seven and five or eight and four. Um, however, I do think they're in due for a bounce back. Last year, they had to replace 17 starters with the first time, our first time head coach. Um, this year, they have 17 starters back, including Hank Bachmeyer, who's um, now entering his fourth year starting for them. Um, and they had some tough losses last year. They lost, they barely lost to Oklahoma. I think they lost them by one point. They lost by one possession to UCF. But at the end of the year, they ended up winning uh, four of their last five games. They had wins. They actually beat BYU, who I was also high on this year. Um, they also beat um, who am I? Oh, they also beat Fresno State, who was ranked at the time. So I think they were moving in the right direction towards the end of the season. I think they're just going to follow this up, um, and just knowing kind of that the history of Boise State, yeah, you know, usually like nine and three is kind of like their their floor um, in the Mountain West. But usually they're they're looking at ten and two, eleven and one, and being a potential New Year's Six uh, bowl team. And I expect them to get back to that this year with the returning talent that they have. Um, I think this is the year where Boise State um, comes back to being a, a Mountain West contender. So I'm going, I'm taking them over uh, nine wins. All right. My last uh, college football preseason bet is uh, the NC State Wolfpack to win the ACC at plus 750. Um, they bring back maybe the best quarterback in the league, Devin Leary, 3,400 uh, passing yards last year, 35 touchdowns. Um, you have to replace a lot of really talented running backs, Ike Aquanu as well. You know, when I look at the ACC, obviously you still have divisions in the ACC. So NC State still has to kind of get by Clemson to get to the title game. But I don't know what to think about Clemson. I mean, they're not ranked number fourth. They're ranked number four in the country. But, like, 
I don't think the offense inspires a ton of confidence. Um, and I think NC State can score. Now, they have to go at Clemson. Um, but they, you know, they get Florida State, Wake, and Boston College at home. And, like, Virginia Tech at home. Um, I think this could be a 9 or 10 win team. They went 9-3 uh, and three last year. And that included a one-point loss to Miami and a three-point loss to Wake Forest. So they were really close last year to winning this conference. And, you know, we both picked Clemson to win the ACC. But I kind of think if it's not Clemson, it has a really good chance to be NC State as opposed to Miami um, or Pitt or someone from the Coastal. So I took a flyer. This was the last bet I made. I I took a flyer on NC State at at, uh, plus 750 to win the, uh, the ACC. I don't think it's a bad bet at all Um, because, like you mentioned, the biggest thing is just can they get over Clemson this year? And they beat them last season. And with the the questions, yeah, that Clemson does have offensively. I mean, in that battle, you're going to take Devin Leary over whoever Clemson most likely is playing, either DJU or their backup. Um, So I don't think it's a bad pick at all because on this schedule, really the only game you look at that they're probably going to be an underdog is probably at Clemson. so I don't think it's uh, a terrible bet at all. Um, all right, you got one more? Yeah, I'll go two, but I'll go three real quick. So um, one of them in the SC, Auburn, I actually took over six um, just because I think that's kind of the floor for them is six and six. I could be completely wrong, and they could totally implode and go three and nine. Um, but I do think the people that have stayed there through kind of all this turmoil are going to play hard for Brian Harson. Um, and I think that should at least get them to a bowl game. My last one, and probably the one that went way down the rabbit hole for this one, and I'm probably going to regret it. <laughs> I don't even know why I even thought about it. But I took a – I love the setup here. I'm in the Sun Belt, newly <laughs> affiliated Sun Belt uh, team. I'm taking the Marshall Thundering Herd over 7.5 uh, at minus 120. <laughs> In their inaugural season in the Sun Belt East, which is actually a gauntlet this year uh, with the new divisions, they, it, it'll be Marshall, it'll be like Coastal Carolina, App State, Georgia State, who should be decent. James Madison is joining FBS this year and is playing in that division. Um, but I like them. Not sure who they're going to play at quarterback. Uh, um, Wells, who was their, uh, their quarterback last year, I believe is at Virginia Tech. Uh, this season, um, yep. they do return. Uh, I think they're leading. I believe they're leading rusher, who was one of the best running backs in Conference USA last year. Um, you know, second year uh, head coach. Um, they went seven and six last year, so I'm just kind of betting on. I think um, I think they're gonna play really well in the Sun Belt, and I think they're gonna win over seven and a half games. And that's my short synopsis of why I'll probably be a Thundering Herd fan this year. It kind of just jumped out to me don't ask how it happened something just was like oh let's see what marshall's at i was like seven and a half they usually win like eight to ten games i feel like each year (laughs) but i also forgot they're not in conference usa anymore so we'll see all right let's let's round this out i have a question for you i'll go first give me the over under that you're most confident in and the over under that you are least confident in so i'll go first the one that I'm least confident in is probably Oklahoma State over eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think they could finish first or second in the conference, or they could finish like fourth or fifth. Right. I mean, you had TCU 
in the conference championship game. You also have Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, like legitimately the big 12 could be pretty solid this year. Yeah. Or Texas could implode and go six and six. TCU could struggle with the new coach. Oklahoma could go nine and three. Like there's a chance Oklahoma state goes 10 and two and is the class of this conference. Um, but I just, I don't know. The one that I'm, I'm most confident in is, is probably my two over five and a halfs Louisville at minus minus one sixty five, and Washington state at plus plus one twenty five. I think those are the two I'm, I just see those teams in bowl games. I think especially Louisville. I mean, there's a reason why it's minus 165, but Malik Cunningham back, I think a, a pretty favorable schedule. Um, I think that's probably the one. If Louisville was five and seven or four and eight, I'd be pretty surprised. But you lose Malik Cunningham, who knows? All bets are off. Um, no, I, I agree with you on, on kind of both of those, especially with, in the Big 12, like in Oklahoma State. Like, I would not be shocked if this year in the Big 12, if we look at the Big 10 champion or the Big 12 championship game and we have like a 10 and 2 versus like a 9 and 3 team, which means that like probably the third or fourth best team is 8 and 4 um, in that conference. But I'll go my most confident. I have two, probably the two I feel the most confident about. I think Houston over 9.5, just like I mentioned. I think they're going to be really good offensively. I think they'll still be solid defensively, and they don't have to play Cincinnati or UCF. Um, so I feel pretty good about that one, as well as with Maryland, over five and a half. Like I said, I think at minimum they're a bowl team. Um, least confident one is the one I just went over with Marshall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I gave a great synopsis and great confidence in it. Um so I know nobody listening to this spot is going to take that one either. So, um, so yeah, probably Marshall just because they are in a new conference. Um, and uh, it's obviously not a team that I don't think too many, too many casual fans are very familiar with. I mean, I'm not very familiar with them either. <laughs> I follow the sport pretty, uh, pretty close. Lucas, next week we will be, pre- we will be previewing week zero. Next week we should probably give like conference champion and like, playoff predictions and stuff if you want or but we are we are locking into hawaii and vanderbilt we're locking into northwestern nebraska illinois wyoming florida state duquesne i mean it's it's uh it's it's good to be back i mean we'll have some picks next week of our our first you know card of the weekend like it's exciting it's exciting oh i'm excited i just even though the sad thing i just realized especially that we just talked about betting i'm gonna be in wisconsin so next weekend and the following weekend. So Wisconsin sports betting is not legal statewide. So oh, no. I am going to have to put in all my week zero picks, all my week one picks in like next week, which is kind of scary. Pretty early. Out of me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty early. All right. So, all right. Uh, for Lucas Rody, I'm Ryan Baffle Lucas. Thank you all for listening to another episode of running for the roses. We'll catch you next week and uh, stay frosty.